the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock as we begin hour number two on AM 1420. The answer, it is a Friday morning. And this hour will be a free-for-all Friday hour as we are guest-free until the end of the program at 11 o'clock. So get in now, 216-901-0945, and get in at 888-281-1110 on this 19th morning of the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2018. Get ready for disappointment. That is the message from Politico, believe it or not. Not exactly an unbiased source of political reporting and information, but Politico telling uh, telling uh, American voters to get prepared for disappointment as it pertains to the Mueller report that's going to come out after the election. I kind of suggested uh, to Jim Jordan that this was the case. When Bob Mueller uh, revealed that he is going to release his findings, or at least the uh, you know, the biggest findings of his report that has now lasted around 18 months after the election, I think that's an indication they got nothing. They got nothing. Nothing that indicates in any way, shape, or form collusion between the Trump campaign and Russians. Anything that would have led to the WikiLeaks uh, release of DNC information and so on and so forth. No, nothing. Otherwise, if they knew they had something on Trump or the Trump campaign, it would be released before the election, no doubt in my mind. Maybe that's why Politico says, prepare for disappointment. President uh, Donald Trump's critics have spent the last 17 months anticipating what some experts, or some, not experts, rather, some expect will be among the most thrilling events of their lives. Special counsel Robert Mueller's final report on Russian 2016 election interference. They may be in for a disappointment. 
That's the word Politico got from defense lawyers working on the Russia probe and more than 15 former government officials with investigation experience spanning Watergate to the 2016 election case. The public, they say, shouldn't expect a comprehensive and presidency-wrecking account of Kremlin meddling and alleged obstruction of justice by Trump, not to mention an explanation of the myriad subplots that have bedeviled lawmakers, journalists, and amateur Mueller sleuths. How about that? I find that fascinating. This is from Politico, citing, as I just said, a bunch of former government officials, more than 15 of them with investigation experience going from Watergate through this one, and a team of defense lawyers who have been working on the Russia probe. Yeah, prepare for a big nothing burger, Democrats. If you're thinking that as soon as Mueller uh, releases this report, well... That it's going to be a, uh, a time for impeachment against President Trump? Well, got bad news for you. It's not happening. As I said before, if there was enough negative in the report, it would be released before the election. And then the second thing, the, the only alternative to that, the only thing that I could suggest that might give you reason you know, to pause would be the fact that Mueller doesn't want to release anything before the election and thus get his hands dirty in the way that Comey did, meaning that uh, they don't want, uh, or he doesn't want uh, to be treated the way Comey has since he was fired, as a rat who disappointed both parties with the way he handled the investigation of Hillary Clinton and then the reveal uh, of the investigation ongoing right before the election. So Mueller, not wanting to go down in history that way, may just sit and say, I'm going to release it after the election and not let anything uh, you know, influence the election. But, oh, by the way, I've got a team of about 12 to 15 Democrats working for me, and I know it's going to get leaked anyway. If there is something negative about Trump and the Trump campaign in the Mueller report that they'll reveal after the election, it will be leaked. That way, Orr still has, or not Orr, excuse me, Mueller has plausible deniability in saying, I didn't release it, somebody else got information and released it, and uh, we don't know who it is, and they'll go unpunished. Because that's the way it works in the swamp. That's the way it works in Washington. And that's the way it works in Democrat land. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, 216 And John in Chardon is waiting patiently. He's now on the air. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hello, Bob. Hey, I, I submitted a piece to the News Herald, uh, and it got published this uh, Monday. And I got some attaboy calls from friends and acquaintances. And it's got something in there about Russia that I've never heard before, and I don't think anybody else has. So if you could give me four or five minutes, I can run through it. I, I don't have four or five minutes, no. I do not have four or five minutes for any caller. That's too long. It's radio. We can't do, we can't do long monologues. Give me the gist of it. Well, I, I titled it Danger Ahead, mm-hmm. and the News Herald changed it to Study Candidates Before Voting. And basically... What I, I start out with Ronald Reagan and what he said, the same preamble that you used. And I said, <clears throat> what, the unleashed he was referring to started with our founding fathers who finally reached consensus, but it took them years of rigorous debate and confrontation. And the results that they left us with is a multifaceted government of checks and balances that protects our freedoms and our system of free market capitalism. And, and the results... <clears throat> that pre- President Reagan left us with, uh, uh, President uh, Trump has pick, picked up on, and and the results are self-evident with the prosperity that we have going forward, going all all the way to the poor, and 
if you listen to the president speak, speak, President Trump, he clearly has a vision for possibly even better prosperity going going ahead. However, today in our country, we have a significant portion of the population led by a number of government people who want to transition to and embrace a type of government called socialism. And then I describe socialism, what it what it is, right. transferring. And then I say it's just a hop, skip, and a jump till you get to commun- communism. And uh, well, yeah, they're all very close cousins. They they're very close cousins. Socialism, Marxism, and communism may not be identical, but they're all all very close cousins. And quite frankly, democratic socialism is right in there with it. They try to make a distinction. Do the Democrats? Do the Bernie Sanders? Do the Alexandria Ocasio Cortezes and others? They try to make a distinction between socialism and and uh, democratic socialism. There is none. It is all rooted in communist principles. It's just a matter of to the degree with which they apply uh those principles and uh and 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 that's you know that's that's precisely what uh, we've been fighting for for decades in this country um do me a favor john if you would since you said you got an article published send me a link to it i'd like to read it myself and uh and give it a look look see and uh uh, and see what i can take away from it and uh and maybe share on the air okay okay how do do i do that uh just send me an email just send me the email me the link okay Uh, Okay, uh, uh, I'll, I'll put yeah. you, I'll put you, I'll put you on hold if you need to, and uh, you can get the email from yeah. uh, from Samuel and uh, and send me the link that way. That'd be a good way to do it. Thank you, uh, John. TJ in Cleveland is next. Hey, TJ, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob. Recently, I just read that more women are coming out against Sherrod Brown about his abusive behavior, and the very same plane dealer that attacked Kavanaugh tried to run cover for him, saying, "Well, you know, these are unsubstantiated." You know, I'd like to tell them to take advice from one of their own ditzy liberal senators from Hawaii, the men in the editorial department at a plane dealer should just shut up and sit down. We have to believe everybody that comes out a victim. And maybe it's time to get an FBI investigation on this Sherrod Brown before the election. You know, what goes around comes around. Uh, these people are, like I said, they're, they're, they're so despicably hypocritical it makes you sick to your stomach i want to say one thing too i've you know been in touch with john for a while there bob yeah and i familiar with his article very good uh john's a very smart astute man and it's a very good article i hope he gets it to you but uh like i said getting back to this uh plane dealer and stuff trying to run cover we need to know more about sherrod brown and and like i said his it, it obviously seems like he has a history of abusive behavior towards women. And I'd like to know more about it. And I think the voters should know more about it. Well, I'm going to respond. To, and thank you, TJ. I'm going to respond to that this way. Um, I don't like hypocrisy, and I don't like, I don't like engaging in the behavior that I've just condemned um, in somebody else, particularly somebody who else is a political, ideological opponent. Um, I don't want what Senator Hirono, Maisie Hirono in Hawaii, did to Kavanaugh to be done to other people. Okay? Uh, I want there to be evidence before I do any believing. Now, in the, in the Brown case, I've read the same story that you're talking about, that there's a second accuser who has come forward. To my knowledge at this particular point, it is no more than that. There is no evidence. It's also from the 80s, the way the Kavanaugh thing was. Um, and to my knowledge, there's no evidence of that yet. There's just an accusation. Now, if somebody wants to come forward with more information and more evidence, 
Uh, I absolutely would be willing to listen to that. And you can add that to the case that I do take seriously, which is the case of Sherrod Brown's ex-wife. Sherrod Brown's ex-wife produced evidence, enough evidence to a judge that she was being abused by Sherrod Brown to get a seven-count restraining order order filed and placed upon him. Seven counts. She signed sworn affidavits, which means she she is under penalty of law if she is lying saying that he did abuse her, that he did do all of the things that were alleged. That's a big deal. And then there are court documents that indicate that Sherrod Brown in the aftermath absolutely did not pay his child support payments after that divorce. Those are all matters of record. I will go after Sherrod Brown as a domestic abuser and say I believe her, the wife, because there's evidence to support it. I'm not part of this group that says, well, the Democrats did it to Kavanaugh, the Republicans should do it to Brown, and believe people who haven't provided any evidence whatsoever as we try to add another accuser. In other words, you know, well, what did they do after uh, Dr. Diane, or Diane, uh, Christine Blasey Ford uh, used Diane Feinstein to make these ridiculous, uh, uh, lame, fake, fraudulent, phony allegations? They try to get more to corroborate. And they bring up this Julie Swetnick person who, with Michael Avenatti, who says, Kavanaugh initiated and led gang rapes on the regular back in the 1980s with no evidence whatsoever. Ridiculous. And it's shameful. I'm not going to add on another accuser without some evidence. That's not saying she's wrong. But again, due process applies. And as I ripped uh, uh, Sherrod Brown for being a domestic abuser, it's going to be for the stuff that we have evidence for, not for other things that don't. That's where I'm going to sit on that. And by the way, Sherrod Brown's excuse and his uber-feminist wife, who's a part of the hashtag MeToo, always taking up the cause for abused women, Connie Schultz, the newspaper columnist, for her. Can you kill that music for a minute? This is important. Thank you. That's not on you. That's on me. I want to get this out. I want it to not be distracted by foreigner, as good as this foreigner is. For Connie Schultz to stand there or sit there and listen as his, as her current husband denies evidenced, evidentiary, proofed, sourced uh, reports of abuse of a woman, his ex-wife, as she hypocritically plays part in the hashtag MeToo movement, is beyond reprehensible. It's beyond acceptable. There is evidence there. Women are supposed to be believed when they have evidence. And for the ex-wife to now retract it and say, well, I was just mad, it's absolutely unbelievable. As in not able to be believed, she was either paid, in my opinion, or she was threatened, in my opinion, to withdraw her complaints and her public publicly say, "Yeah, um, I was only I was only angry about that, and I forgive him, and I support his campaign." Something happened to make her change her mind when she signed sworn affidavits and actually filed for and received a restraining order against Brown because of his violent tendencies. I am absolutely one hundred percent going to go after him for that because there's evidence, but I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon for things for which there is no evidence the way they did to Kavanaugh. Why? Because I, and I believe we, 
are better than that. And we are better than they are. Now hit me with some foreigner, and we can <laughs> take a quick time out of here and check our traffic. Then we'll come back and uh, take your phone calls. 216-901-0945, Tweet to me at Radio Done Right. Facebook comment to me at France Radio. Back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Now, this is one of those moments of karma, symbiosis, mental telepathy, I don't know, radar love. (laughs) I'm about to do a quick story here on staying alive by voting no on issue one. And we've got staying alive playing uh, by the Bee Gees. Totally unplanned. I swear to you, God works in some very, very, very strange ways. That's perfectly. The... um, Ohio State Coroners Association. I wanted to get to, to issue one a little bit today, too, uh, in this free-for-all hour of the program. Don't forget, we're guest-free the rest of the way, so 216-901-0945. Dial now. The Ohio State Coroners Association is the latest to come out adamantly against the only issue on the statewide ballot, issue one, saying they cannot be for any measure that makes it more difficult to prosecute drug dealers and traffickers. It would only make sense, wouldn't it? The coroners are saying if you empty the prisons, which issue one will do, you will fill the morgue. Because more people will die with these drug dealers and addicts in the streets, able to feed their fix or to be able to find someone whose fix needs feeding. Speaking of the dealers. Dr. Lisa Mannix is the uh, coroner for Butler County, which has seen the overdose death rate more than double in the last four years. She says that issue one will help resentence drug dealers, which it will, putting them back on the streets to continue poisoning their communities. Quote, it's deceptive. It's not about neighborhood safety and drug treatment and rehabilitation. It's about prison reform. And if you empty the prisons, you will fill the morgue, said Dr. Mannix. The Yes on One campaign says the current system is already broken and that the new measure would provide much-needed money and treatment for drug offenders. You want to find money to treat drug offenders while they're in prison? I'm okay with that. But not while they're being set free and their dealers are being set free. We are already losing 14 people a day to overdose deaths, and the current system being embraced by politicians is broken, says Dennis Willard, a spokesperson for the Outside of Ohio funded, sponsored, and supported campaign, says. A yes vote on issue one will make our community safer and save lives because it will be providing much-needed treatment to people who suffer with addiction? This man's a liar. A liar or an idiot. I don't know which. Maybe a little bit of both. This will not make communities safer. Putting more drug dealers with more incentive to deal in Ohio because they know only probation awaits them if they get caught does not make communities safer, you blithering liberal idiot. It makes people, puts people in more danger. It makes neighborhoods dangerous. It makes communities, it puts people's lives at risk. But I got to say, and I'll say this to every supporter of issue one. I've always, I've always stood by this mantra. If you gotta go idiot, you might as well go full blithering. Congratulations. You've all done it. 
Back after this. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. I kept on trying, learned something each time. Do whatever it takes, no matter how many times it takes. We did it, so can you. For free help, call 1 800 Quit Now. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. 26 minutes of Outstanding Awesome left for you on this edition, in this hour, and on in this week, quite frankly, of the Bob France Authority. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110 is the number to get here. Twitter, Radio Done Right, Facebook, France Radio. i got some things uh, that I've shared on Facebook that I want to share with you on the air here in just a moment. But first, Tim, in Cleveland, let's talk about issue one that I just uh, ended the last hour with. Hey, Tim, go ahead. Hey, how you doing, Bob? Good, sir. Uh, I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago. I am an attorney in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's kind of troubling me about this issue one is we're not, I'm not seeing any opposition ads. Um, I know, you know, I, I watch, you know, certain things on YouTube. And one of the first things that pops up on almost everything you watch on YouTube right now, if you live in Ohio, is pro issue one commercials. You know why that is, right? Well, yeah, that's because, you know, Silicon Valley, Mark Zuckerberg, and, uh, you know, George Soros are funding this whole thing. Exactly, yeah. They own, and they own those properties, so they can put those up there for free and, uh, and, and skew the search results as well. Anytime you type in Ohio Issue 1, it's going to be pro. Right, but where is the opposition in our communities? Where are the yard signs? No on Issue 1. You know, where I, I'm just, and I don't, I don't watch TV much, so I, maybe there's commercials on TV. I haven't seen anything, and... Um, you know, I was talking to a judge the other day, and he was at a uh, justicia conference, and he said that it's actually the the right now it's skewed like sixty percent pro issue one, and uh, obviously not good for us. Um, you know, and another. What, what, did, what? Hold on, hold on. What? What did he say was skewed pro issue one? The, the basically like the polls. Like he was at this conference and they were talking about it. And it's right now. It's it's a lot of people. I, I haven't support. seen. I haven't seen anything that indicates sixty forty. Uh, I've seen a lead for issue four pro issue one. Yes on issue one, but it is uh, it is much much closer than that. I've not seen a poll, any poll, let alone a uh, you know a um, composite that would suggest that it's sixty forty. To to your point about about no though, you know it's always easier. In my mind, in my mind, to 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 raise money and raise funds to change something, to change, you know, to to uh, amend the Constitution, because these people are the ones who are the drivers behind it. It's a lot harder to raise money to to explain why we're against something, and I think just in general that's the case. But having said that, I have seen some, not a lot, 
but some television ads against issue one. And we have one that airs here on this radio station, so I'm hoping it's on other radio stations that I don't listen to uh, that have been in opposition to it as well. Uh, iVoters.com and the Ohio Roundtable have uh, laid it all out there uh, and, and, and talked about why this is so dangerous. So um, I think that the opposition group to it is much more grassroots than the pro, which, of course, as you pointed out, is funded by some of the richest people in the world who don't even live in the state of Ohio and who have uh, uh, who have no uh, concerns whatsoever about the amount of violence, the number of people who are going to be killed by this thing. Right. And one last point I'd like to make. I talked to another judge, and she was. we were talking about issue one. And of course, she's against it. Um, she has done, you know, in her experience as a judge and, and reform, she stated that, you know, it, it has been proven, I haven't seen the stats, I haven't seen the research, but it's been proven that rehabilitation through the courts is the most effective means of getting somebody off heroin, off opiates, off horrible drugs like it is. So, you know, they may say, oh, it's, it, the money's going to go to treatment and it's going to be all about treatment. It's not going to do anything if the courts don't have anything to hold over their head to make them go to treatment and maybe get better. Completely agree, and that is exactly right. There is no, there is no um, uh, carrot, if you will, for for them to to change, and there's no threat either. There's no, there's you know, there's no, you know, use the whip or the carrot. There's neither one of them exists. If the if the uh, uh, judge's hands are tied and they're not allowed to sentence habitual users and habitual traffickers to prison for crying out loud, if they if they have to give them probation, uh, you know until they exceed a certain amount for crying out loud yeah they, they they're they're going to continue to use and they're going to continue uh um you know to pretend they're going to treatment again and you know the rule you know the the, the uh, uh wording of this you're an attorney if if they promise that they're going to go to treatment and then skip meetings and skip uh their treatments and and so on and so forth and go back to using again they still don't get resentenced they still don't go back to jail so there's no incentive whatsoever if you don't have the hammer over their heads that's right. That's absolutely right. And uh, I really wish people would wake up and see that this is going to be a horrible, horrible situation if this passes and for our state, for our communities and everybody else. Thanks, yeah, Bob. It, you got it. it. It ties the hands of the judges. It ties the hands of the prosecutors who can't bring appropriate charges. And it is a get out of jail free card. For, for drug dealers who are carrying up to 10,000 lives worth of fentanyl, for example. And yes, that's my phrasing. That's how I view this. Uh, you know, because we always talk about, you know, how many grams it takes to kill people. 19 grams of fentanyl can kill 10,000 people. And all you have to do is stay under the threshold of 20. And all you get is a, is a slap on the wrist misdemeanor. So I call it 10,000 lives worth of fentanyl is what you can carry. Uh, and, and in other words, 10,000 murders or 10,000 suicides, whatever it is you want to call it. And you, and you're treated, it's treated like a misdemeanor if this goes through. You mentioned judges. Last caller mentioned judges. The, the, the biggest judge in the land, the most important judge in the land, the Supreme Court Chief Justice, the Ohio Supreme Court Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor. Uh, made this statement uh, about a month ago, and I read it, and and I feel like reading it again. It might be a little too long to read it in its entirety here, but uh, I'll do my best to give you the gist of this. She made a statement about this, um, saying that there will be catastrophic effects in the state of Ohio for your safety and mine, not just on drug users. That's the other part of this thing. If state issue one uh, passes this fall, people think that this is, well, I don't have to vote on issue one. I don't have to vote against issue one. I could just not vote at all because it doesn't affect me. I'm not a heroin user. <laughs> I'm not a drug addict. 
Nobody in my family's a drug addict. I don't deal drugs. It's not important enough for me to learn what the issue is and to know that I should vote against it. That That's one of the things that bothers me the most about it. You don't have to be in the drug trade to be impacted by the drug trade. You understand? When more and more addicts, let me rephrase, when more and more non-addicts become addicts because they are less afraid of being caught using and or buying drugs because issue one goes into effect, which which means they can't be sent to jail for it. They can only get probation at worst for it. When more people become addicts because they're trying drugs for the first time, you have a much higher population of addicts in the state of Ohio. I'm going to speak elementary here because it's it's really it really is this simple. You know, this one of my favorite lines in all movies is um, Denzel Washington in uh, Philadelphia when he tells uh, you know, the the uh, uh, jury and to uh, his friend, uh, you know, Tom Hanks' character, explain this to me like I'm a four year old. I'm going to explain this to you like you're a four year old. Okay, more drug addicts leads to more people looking for drugs to buy more look more more suppliers or dealers then find those addicts they flock to the place where those addicts live which means the state of ohio your community when they run out of money these new addicts to buy the drugs from these dealers their 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 addiction doesn't subside their addiction doesn't quit it doesn't say, well, I can't afford any more heroin. I guess i got to stop using heroin. You might do that with cable TV. Ah, I can't really afford the dish anymore, so I'm going to have to get rid of that. Maybe cut the cord and see if I can subscribe to Netflix or something. It, it's not like that. It's just not part of your budget that you can then just budget around. When you run out of money for your heroin or your cocaine or whatever other drug it is that you're fixed on, you don't just quit it. You find sources of money to buy those drugs. You steal from your family and friends. You steal from local stores, merchandise. You sell hot goods. You become a dealer yourself because somebody says, all right, I'll give you your next fix if you go deliver this for me. You get rid of this and sell this for me, I'll hook you up. And people get addicted, or people become part of the drug trade then, not just users. All of these things are very well commonly known. This is, I know this is elementary what I'm saying. But when people can't get the money for their fix and they steal and they try to do it without hurting anybody, then they start and they, and they run out of opportunities there. Then they start committing violent crimes and they start carjacking and they start mugging and they start purse snatching. And they start doing everything and anything they can to get money to buy their next fix. That's just how drug addiction works. Issue one will create more drug addicts in the state of Ohio. It does not require addicts to go to treatment or punish them if they don't go to treatment. Issue one will create more addicts. That will draw more traffickers. The two of them will combine to create more violent crime in the state of Ohio so that the addicts can get their cash to buy their next fix. It's an unholy alliance that cannot be allowed to flourish in the state of Ohio. And Issue 1 does exactly that. It opens the prison so the users and the dealers can all get back out and get more and more people hooked so there are more dead bodies being found on the streets.
Justice Maureen O'Connor, chief because of substance abuse disorders. This is undeniable. We know that substance abuse disorders are a major driver in criminal justice spending. We also know that through long-term treatment and therapy, those addicted can lead law-abiding, productive lives. Issue 1 on Ohio's number 6 ballot purports to address this problem by reducing drug possession penalties and directing the savings from reduced incarcerations to expanded drug treatment and resources for crime victims. A superficial reading of Issue 1 could lead voters to see it as a thoughtful, compassionate, and reasonable response to a difficult and intractable problem. It seems so until you peel back its layers and see that it will have catastrophic consequences for our state. If Issue 1 passes, Ohio may have some of the most lenient drug crime laws in the nation. We could easily become a magnet for substance abuse activity because there will be, in effect, very little consequence to engaging in such behavior. Those are the words of Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor, probably a little more succinct and more eloquent than mine were. But we just said the same thing, did we not? She writes, let me put the issue in context by explaining just one of issue one's consequences as it relates to possession of fentanyl, a lethal opioid. According to the Ohio Department of Health, drug overdose deaths in Ohio increased from 3,050 in 2015 to 4,050 in 2016. This is roughly four times the number of people who die in traffic accidents in Ohio annually. Well, the ODH reported that 58.2% of the overdose deaths overdose deaths in Ohio in 2016 involved fentanyl, compared with only 4% in 2013. This dramatic rise is due to the fact that fentanyl is 50 times more potent than heroin. And according to the U.S. US Drug Enforcement Administration, it takes just 2 milligrams of fentanyl, an amount barely able to cover Abraham Lincoln's beard on the size of a penny, to kill the average person. Fentanyl is an addictive, lethal, and simple-to-manufacture drug. It is easy to smuggle into our country from foreign sources, even using express mail envelopes. Its potency is not just a problem for abusers. It can be absorbed through the skin, putting freight handlers and first responders at serious risk. We have seen this, by the way. That's very true. Issue 1 would make the possession of powdered fentanyl in amounts less than 20 grams a misdemeanor, with only probation as a consequence. That means that a drug offender caught with less than 20 grams walks away with no possibility of jail time. Since the lethal dose of fentanyl is just 2 milligrams, one thousandth of a gram, 19 grams of fentanyl is enough to kill approximately 10,000 people. But if issue 1 passes, an offender charged with possession of 19 grams would automatically get probation and be charged only with a misdemeanor. Issue 1 does this by constitutionally dictating that any drug possession conviction that is now a felony 4 or a felony 5 would be reduced to a misdemeanor. The requirement of probation ties the hands of the judge who is co- when it comes to sentencing. The judge must sentence an individual to probation for these offenses under Issue 1. This is unconscionable, says the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court. Drug dealers would be incentivized to distribute fentanyl in amounts of less than 20 grams so that those caught possessing it would avoid incarceration. I'm going to stop reading her, uh, her uh, uh, important op-ed here just to ask a very obvious, again, four, uh, you know, four-year-old type of question. If you know you're going to prison for selling fentanyl in Indiana and in Michigan and in Kentucky and in West Virginia... And in Pennsylvania, and I'm just picking the Midwest states that border Ohio, if you know you're going to prison for selling fentanyl in those states, 
and you're only getting a slap on the wrist and no jail time for selling it in Ohio, where are you going to sell it? We will become the Midwest hub of fentanyl distribution and use in the United States of America. Dealers try to operate in all of our surrounding states, and I just named the border states. That doesn't mean they won't cross another state and come from Philadelphia or from uh, uh, Illinois, for example. They will come from all over to make their money in Ohio, getting more Ohioans addicted, killing more Ohioans leading to more Ohio victims of violent crime as addicts take desperate measures to get money to buy their next fix. That's what issue one does. So if anybody comes to you with confusion about whether or not they should vote yes for issue one or no for issue one, whether or not drug addicts are going to be helped or hurt by issue one, You tell them vote no on issue one unless you want to fill the morgues with more dead bodies, victims of violent crimes, and overdose victims. Because that's what issue one will do. It will kill people. Make no mistake about it. I'll come back after this. All right, 1054, let's get a few phone calls in here before the uh, top of the hour and return it over to Mr. Gallagher on AM 1420, The Answer. Esther in Cleveland, go ahead, Esther. Thanks. Your information and the information from the entire lineup of Salem is so crucial. I've said that before. Uh, one evidence is because I listened from morning till night, I was able last Sunday to listen to Sherrod Brown and go point by point and think, well, he's being incomplete and misleading. And I relate that to um, an ad I saw for issue one. It was very incomplete and misleading. It was focusing on the emotions. Some average-looking father was saying, oh, if they don't pass issue one, his daughter, apparently not in prison, the average daughter, I guess, would not be able to get her treatment for drugs. Well, you, uh, are you still there, Esther? Yes. Okay, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell if you were finished with your point or not. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, but, but but you're right. That is exactly what they rely on is emotion, and then they don't complete the equation, uh, and they they want you to just. It's the same thing with um, uh, the ads against Mike Dewine about um, about uh, pre uh, uh, existing conditions. You're talking about. Uh, you know, they they put these ads out there saying Mike Dewine is is, is takes money from uh, health insurance companies, and he's against pre existing conditions. My daughter comes first. Those drug uh, health insurance companies come next. He never said any such thing. They play on the emotion. They don't complete the story. They don't mention that uh, Mike DeWine is absolutely and has made countless numbers of statements saying he absolutely supports the coverage of pre-existing conditions and is working uh, with a lot of other people to develop a plan to be able to cover that uh, effectively and affordably. So you're right. They rely on emotion. They play the, oh my gosh, he doesn't care. He wants to kill my my diabetes-ridden child or my cancer-ridden child because he cares about this. And this is just a part of the Democrat uh, playbook. Thank you, Esther. Let me go to uh, Parma next and say hello to Matt. Hi, Matt. Go ahead. Hey, Bob, just two quick points. One is uh, the law of unintended consequences. I mean, when you look at the advent of crack and the, the effects that it had uh, on the increase in prostitution, especially within the inner city, 
the all the extra um, violence for gang warfare, for drug territory, and uh, the cheap highs, and everybody chasing that. And then you couple that with Keller Winslow's broken window theory, like you were saying, uh, the increase in, in burglaries and, and people chasing the dope boys in, in order to score the fentanyl and the heroin and everything with absolutely or, or almost no consequences, no fear of jail, no fear of uh, severe consequences. What's there to stop any of this stuff from just ballooning? Nothing. Nothing. You know, I mean, and, and it, the, the, the real misleading part about this, um, Matt, and, and I, I'll tie your point to the one that Esther was making about incomplete stories and incomplete facts and so on and so forth is the pro-issue one lobby and, and, and those who are, who are financing it again, they're so, they're, they're Silicon Valley, they're, they're Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and the, uh, the powers that be in the social media world and so on and so forth who are actually funding this entire campaign in the state of Ohio where they do not live. The, the, the game they're trying to play is it's either prison or treatment. That's how they want this to be, to be, you know, to be presented. You either believe in locking up drug addicts or treating them. And it costs more to lock them up than it would to treat them. And plus, when they get out, uh, they're still addicts. So therefore, uh, they're going to go right back to their life of crime. And then, of course, they play the race card, too, saying this disproportionately impacts people of color with respect to the number of people in prison for drugs. That's how they want this to be presented. But, of course, that is incomplete. That is inaccurate. That's wrong. Because what we are talking about is putting people in prison with mandated forced drug treatment while incarcerated. So they don't come out an addict. So they come out clean and sober and able to handle life without the the fix that they've been relying upon. They want you to think it's either or. And the bottom line is, if you do believe if it is an either or and you do believe in the treatment side, when you don't mandate that treatment and you don't threaten them with jail if they don't go to treatment on the outside, then they just continue to use until they either kill themselves or somebody else. That's the bottom line. Don't let them lie to you about issue one. Vote against issue one. Encourage everybody else you know to vote against it as well. David and LaGrange, you're going to wrap it up. David, go ahead. Okay, Bob, your caller took about half what I wanted to say. Look what the addiction does to people's children. They buy the drugs instead of buying food for their children, buying uh, food, clothing for their children. It just destroys the whole family. That's a great point. We talk because uh, I talked about the other ancillary victims to the drug trade, and talk about people who get victimized by theft and by robbery and violent crimes from desperate people trying to get money to buy their drugs. You're right. The other victims that people don't talk about are family members, our loved ones, spouses, and children uh, who go hungry because people lose their jobs due to their addiction and more. It's a very good point. It's all the time we've got today. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. We'll see you Monday. Bye bye. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.